0: We have been doing a study, uh, looking at the blueprint for how church should look. As God has established a template for us through the book of Acts, when the church began, in Acts chapter two, and we've learned that the church started as the believers who were gathered in the upper room. They assumed the position of prayer and praise in Acts chapter one, and we also have learned that after they prayed and praised, that they turned, they allowed the the power to be turned on. The Holy Spirit fell on them, and the church began, and he indwelled. We learned that your miracle is just a prayer away. Your miracle is just a prayer away, and that we should stand up when people try to step on us to hold the truth of the gospel down. Amen? And then on last week, we learned, don't play with God's money. Amen? Amen. Don't play with God's money. Beginning in verse 1, that was already ably read in your hearing. Now, in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint, say complaint, Complaint. against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we're grateful to be here today. Have your way, O God. Be glorified, we pray, in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Pray for my lovely wife who is here today. She's not been feeling well. Amen. So i was just grateful that she made it into the house yes. to join us today. Some years ago, I was living in Houston, Texas, and annually I would go with a group of pastors to the E.K. Belly Expository Preaching Conference. I hope we can return to that, mm. Pastor Heyman. E. Bell, yes, sir. Or Tony Evans, one or the other. <laughs> Yeah, we can, the elders can go, too. We'll make it a package deal. <laughs> we get a discount. Um, one of the renowned expository preachers, if you, like me, I love great preaching. Uh, Joel uh, uh, Gregory, Dr. Joel Gregory, some of you remember him he also preached at the mighty men of valor and so we've had we've had the top of the line cream of the crop uh servants of god uh he shared uh he 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 lifted up a book and it was a huge book that had been Completed by a group of biblical scholars, it was an archaeological study of the Bible. And he said, and by archaeological, I mean the study of men, finding bones and, and trying to confirm what is found with what the scripture teaches. He said, see this, see this book. And others like them will not exist in the very near future as a primary tool for believers to reference, to learn about the history of the Bible. And he said the reason is because of this new thing that is making its way around the world called the World Wide Web. Now it was in 1969 uh, when the World Wide Web started. But it was just beginning to become popular. You remember AOL, and some of us may still have that. And uh, anyway, he was saying that the internet basically was going to replace scholarship and people making a commitment to go to school and to learn and I had no clue about what he was talking about I didn't know what the world wide web was and or what a computer was even back then only to discover that what he predicted has now come to pass most people that profess to be Christians, or let me put it like this. Many of those who I am aware of, their first go-to when they had questions about life is no longer to open up their Bibles, but to do a Google search. I was shocked to discover that every second of the day, there are 99,000 Google searches that are initiated. And over the period of one day, there are 8.5 billion inquiries on Google done. And I think it's just in, it's not in, just in America. And so what he prophesied has come to pass. And for some of you who are like me, I do not engage with social media that often. Uh, But I understand that it would be to the detriment of the church if we minimize it. Because people are referencing the internet through Google, through TikTok, through Twitter, before they will even consider what the scriptures have to say. Amen. Now, while it's not necessarily wrong to use computer information to gather facts, it should not be for believers our first go-to when we're trying to learn about what God expects for us in terms of how we live. The Bible says that we are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye metamorphosized, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that we may prove that which is the good, an acceptable will of God. And so we want to study to show ourselves. So Google's fine, but it should not be our primary reference. One of the things that we will discover as we look at the word of God today is that he has put in place... An organism called the body of Christ that helps us, that is, that, that exists for the very reason to help us to deal with life's issues. Anybody know that we got issues? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We bring a lot of baggage into our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why the scripture says, do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves as some do, but coming together even more urgently to build up one another, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another as we see. Not the evil days approaching as we are experiencing the evil days. And by the way, we will never tell anybody how to vote. But you need to vote. Young people, you need to vote. We don't want to hear no complaining. Amen. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. We need to vote. We need to vote. In the church, God has set things up in such a way that when you have issues and conflicts with people that you can't resolve between the two of you, you just don't change your profile. You don't just quit and move to the next church because when you move there, you carry the problem called yourself. If, if you're able to change church and leave yourself where you Were, then now you may have a good chance to get a fresh start. But if you go, you're taking the same problems, or because you didn't deal with the problems in a biblical way, you're going to face the same kind of people until we learn how to handle our issues. I'm so glad for the body of Christ. I'm so glad that even though my thoughts are not his thoughts and my ways are not his ways, because as the heavens are higher than the earth, God's ways are higher and his thoughts higher than mine. We can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and we can work it out. Somebody say, We can work it out. We can work it out. Scripture says, In those days, the church was multiplying, but there arose a complaint. There was a complaint. The church is growing and people are getting saved and donations. To charitable for charitable offerings. No one was lacking. They had all things in common, but they still had issues. There was conflict in the church. There are all kinds of personalities that come to church. They're extroverts and introverts. They're people who are searching for who they are and so forth. But when we come, to the place that God has established for us to get the help that we need, we find that it's available. The first thing I want to consider with you as we look at this passage is that problems that Christians cannot solve on their own, issues that you have with people, you should bring them to the church. You should bring them to the church. That's one of the reasons I believe that so many crimes and anger. I was uh, at my favorite place again, Kentucky Fried. (laughs) They had chicken. (laughs) But they didn't have the right containers for the meal that I was asking for. So they had to put them in oversized containers. And he said, would you mind if we put your food in over? I said, no problem. They want to charge me oversized container prices. I didn't ask for oversized containers. And then the gentleman who was working at Kentucky Fried gave me this look. And I, I gave him my hungry look. And then the Holy Spirit said, this is why people get into unnecessary conflict. So I just took my my chicken and my oversized containers, and I was fine. When you find yourself in conflict, that's not the time for your parent or friend to jump in and stand before you. Our children need to learn how to resolve differences. We haven't taught kids that. We quickly suspend them, and they return in the fight. The person they got in the fight with, uh, they never see them again. They change, but you didn't learn how to deal with conflict. And so what we discover here is that you, you, we, need to bring, we need to bring issues that, are, that we can't resolve. After we try, we need to bring them to the church. And I want to read a passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. If any of you has a dispute, an argument, a disagreement with another Christian, do you dare take it before ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? We are going to be a part of the Bema Seat judgment, well, not the Bema Seat judgment, but the, the great white throne judgment. The Bible says that believers are going to assist the Lord in judging the world. He said, if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial matters? Do you not know that we will judge angels? Now, the interesting thing about the the angels, we're not going to judge the angels that are in heaven because they never sinned. But there are some angels that are confined to the abyss, to the pit that are going to be released, and they ultimately are going to be judged. The Bible says that hell is going to be cast into a lake of fire, but before the angels are cast into a lake of fire that are confined now, there's going to be a judgment. The Bible says we are going to judge angels. How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have an argument, a dispute about some matter, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life that we reject, that God rejects. So what we're doing, we're going on Facebook and we're finding, looking for our answers. We're calling people who have been divorced five times and trying to get them to help us to work out our marital problem. We're talking to people who aren't saved because they don't talk, they ain't going to gossip, but they're going to talk bad about the church. They're supposed to be saved. They got more problems than we do. And he says, so why are you going to unsaved people, to unsaved sources, to deal with your problems when in the church of Jesus Christ, we're going to judge the world and we're going to judge angels? He says, aren't there people that are wise enough to help you to work through your disputes? way that works in the church and we're going to see as we go along is that you have elders you have you have deacons you have pat there's a there's a structure but it's not just restricted to the elders and the deacons and the pastors you don't only have to come up but there ought to be people in the church who mature enough to help you walk through what you aren't able to work out on your own Problems aren't new in the church. There are no perfect churches. Every church is imperfect because imperfect people attend church. We've got this thing called sin that didn't go away just because we're saved. If our sin nature had gone away, there wouldn't be any need for the word of God to tell us to put to death the deeds of our flesh. We need to mortify. We need to kill the works of the flesh, we're not perfect. We are striving for perfection. We are working in such a way that we, the Bible says work out your own soul salvation in fear and in trembling. Yeah. Problems can become so intense between Christians that it's necessary for someone in the church to help you with a godly solution. When you read in Philippians chapter 4, there were two women in the church that were in leadership, and and, and they helped the Apostle Paul as a church planner. He says in verses 2 and 3 in Philippians chapter 4, he says, if any of you have disputes with another, uh, uh, I'm sorry, he says, I plead with you, Judea, and I plead with you, Synthicae, to be of the same mind, get it together in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companions, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the same cause of the gospel along with Clemen, So he lists the list. He said, these ladies aren't, they ain't rolling together. They, they, they can't work it out. Would you leadership assist with these spiritual leaders who are in the church, who walk side by side, but they still have issue with one another? Problems that you cannot solve, you can bring, get other people involved. It is possible that God can deal with whatever you're, whatever you're going through. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, says, Brothers and sisters, you who are spiritually mature, you who are walking in victory, not perfection, if you're waiting to be perfect to help people, you'll never help anybody. But you can help people to walk through what God has given you spiritual victory over, or that you are experiencing victory as you are yielding to the Lord. The Bible says there is no temptation that has taken you, but such that is common to men. God is faithful; He will not allow you to be tempted above you are able to bear. But with every temptation, He'll make. A way for you. In other words, the temptation that you're going through, the conflict that you're in right now, somebody else has gone through that before. And God has placed a way of escape, and that way of escape is often somebody in the church who's spiritual. We look for people to take up our reproach. Did you see the way she looked at me? I know she didn't. Walk past me without speaking. I, 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 they, they just don't like me. If they liked me, they would make more noise when I come in the room. I need a standing ovation. And so when we get like some focus, you ever see the, the football team, they're huddling? And they huddle so that the quarterback can give the plays. Now, if you walk by the huddle, if you walk by a room and nobody stops to notice you, that don't mean they're talking about you. They're huddling. (laughs) They're focused on the class. So, in other words, what the scripture says is that there are people in the church that are spiritual, that are mature, that have gone through what you are going through, that if you allow them, they'll help you. Now, if you're just a casual tender, if you think that your business is your business, the Bible says, "No, we are brothers, keepers, iron choppings, iron." Amen. Amen. Sister Jack pulled out a verse: "Better is open rebuke than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend." Oh, she broke it out. Oh Lord, open rebuke is a blessing. That's how we grow. That's how we change. So what God wants for us is to become a part of a church family, not just a part of a a number on the membership. But you're actually known and you're you're making yourself transparent and, and people can speak into your life and you can speak into their life. And that's how we forsake the, 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 the sin that so easily besets us. That's how we are able to see areas in our life that we would otherwise be blinded to. That's how you're able to run a little harder when you would otherwise quit because you've got a great cloud of witnesses, not just in heaven, but in your local church who are cheering you on. And they say, I made it. And if I made it, so can you. And I'm here for you until you make it. I ain't talking about fake it until you make it. I'm talking about legitimately making it. I was invited to become a part of the official board at Christian Stronghold. That was the first church that I thought was next to heaven. People were joining every Sunday. Oh man, the praise and worship was off the chain. And this is what set it, settled it for me. My children didn't even want to go home. After church, they stayed all day. We never had to worry about we going back. For, we, we had an evening service. We, when we went back to church, the children were already there. They loved the church. And so when I was invited to be a part of the official board, I said, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glad that the pastor recognized me and wants me to be a part of helping the church. I said, but what could be going possibly wrong at a church this size with all the great things? And I remember sitting in that first meeting mm-hmm. and the stuff they started sharing about the sins that folks were doing. I literally, I've never had a migraine headache. I had one that day. I had no idea that those kinds of things were happening at the church. They had about 3,500 members. But the point is, there are no perfect churches. There are no perfect marriages. There aren't any perfect kids. You aren't the only one who's going through. God wants us to take our problems to the church when you aren't able to resolve them. Some of us got some heavy stuff going on in our lives, and and I don't want to jump ahead, but problems exist in all forms. The Bible says in verse 1 of Acts chapter 6, it says, "...there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of the charitable offerings." There are all kinds of problems in the church, and the problems in the church can, a, a problem is simply a need that is unmet. If you meet the need, the problem is resolved. And so we can, we can focus on how bad things are. We can think, what is the need? What need needs to be met? There are families that have small children that feel neglected by the church. So they don't come. I'm not bringing my children on Sunday, so I'm gonna be wrestling with these babies trying to hear a sermon. And they may not take the attitude that the church doesn't care, but because they are a smaller minority within the group, there's, it's easy to overlook that group. They're single parents who have limited resources. The are people who are having, having relational problems in their marriage, newly married people who are learning how to be married, but we have to pretend that everything's okay when it's really not okay, but you don't feel comfortable to tell anybody because if you do, then it seems like things are worse than they really are. There are people who come to church who are struggling with insecurities. You don't like the way you look. You don't like how – you're questioning your intelligence. You're questioning your sexual identity. You're questioning uh, the, the purpose and will of God for your life. Some people have cl- clinical and chronic depression. Some people have come to church with suicide ideations. There's some brothers and sisters who not just – this is not – uh, 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 a sin that is only uh, it used to be so we have men who struggle with pornography. Issues, not just for men, but for women. Who having bachelorette parties and inviting uh, uh, strip, strippers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coming to church, but they're gonna have their they're gonna have their final hurrah before they get married. Millennials and Gen Zs who don't know where they fit. The church acts too old. The world acts too wild. And so they're in between in terms of where do we live out our faith. And too often we're trying to force Gen Zers and millennials into our structure. And the only thing that matters are the fundamentals. The methods can change. We don't have to wear three-piece no more. Amen, amen. It's okay if you come in, 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 your, in, your, in your sneakers, et cetera, your, even if you choose to, some people, you know, you can come with the rollers in here. Just get here. Just get here. Well, how are they going to serve the Lord? And they got rollers in their head. How are they going to serve the Lord? And the men have hats on. I hear God saying man looks at the outward appearance but I am looking at the heart. The church needs to be ready. The people aren't coming back to a church the way it was. They're coming back to a church that is willing to change willing to recognize that the needs of people are different and we who understand the times can operate as the spirit of God leads us to meet the real needs of where people are somebody say amen there's some very angry people I often been here until late my wife said where you been I'm at church it's 9 o'clock at night I've been here all day And so I have Brother Brian, Sergeant Brian. He'll come down here. He'll be here until 9 o'clock. He don't think you need to lock the door because people don't rob churches. People don't hit deacons in the head. Yes, they do. The Bible says be as wise as serpents but as harmless as dust. We got a deacon sitting in the back right now. That's ready to take on whoever comes to the door. Amen for Deacon Harrow. Around, around. Amen. Amen. I'm watching you because I'm closest to the door, brother. God bless you. The shepherd will live to preach enough. <laughs> the elders are spread out waiting to jump and take a bullet. Somebody <laughs> said, We are one. Yes. Somebody praise the Lord. He's worthy. Now, the issue for these widows was that they were being neglected. It's important to understand that it's not wrong to complain, to make a grievance known if it is legitimate and you go to the source that can help you resolve it. Now, if you just talk to somebody to be complaining, if you just want to be miserable, because somebody say misery loves company, that's when complaining and, and, and filing a grievance or, or making a, a, something that you're unsatisfied, that's when it becomes sin. And so the Bible says that they, they complained because they were being neglected. These were widows. These were, these were Hellenistic or Greek-speaking widows. They were minority. They were a minority in the group or at that church, this great church of over 20,000 members. There was a small segment in the church that only spoke... Greek. Some think they were proselytized, that they were, conver- they, were, they were really Greek in their ethnicity, and they became Jewish by conversion and then became Christians after the day of Pentecost, but they, they never learned how to speak the common language of that day. It wasn't Hebrew, but it was Aramaic. The predominant majority of people in that church spoke Aramaic. Jesus spoke Aramaic. He didn't speak Greek. He, didn't, he, he was bilingual or multilingual like Paul. But what happens is when people come into the church and they're different from us. I remember going to Dallas, I never was conscious of being a black man until I was surrounded by 90.9% whites. They let me know, brother, you're different from us. They're people who come from various experiences in life that if they were not stand up and tell you their testimony, we might duck our hands. We might look at them sideways. And, and here's the funny part about how we come in. We've learned to not trust each other. So we bring that baggage into church. We're already looking at each other sideways. What's that single woman talking to my husband for? Because they're crossing each other's path. What is his real interest in my wife? He must want her. He said, "Hello. OK. So we come into church with all this baggage. In this case, this was a legitimate need. They were being neglected and, they were, and, and and so they made their need known to the leadership, to the apostles. And when the apostles heard about it, they did something about it. Now now, now let me say um, something about these women. They had little or no income. They weren't tithers. (laughs) They weren't the folks that came to church and and gave the biggest tithe. And this is the funny thing, the way it works. You go to a Presbyterian church, they got about 10 people, and and the only thing that you know when when the Holy Spirit is moving is when 12 o'clock comes, because they start church at 11, at 12, they're rolling. Only one hour for God, but when you check their offering... The five people that were there gave 10,000. You go across the street to the Pentecostal church and they stay until six o'clock. They got there, they got there at 10 in the morning. They still there, sick, praising the Lord and waiting for the Holy Ghost to come and spoken every tongue and claim people in the spirit and then prophesied over. Mary and you, you got 3,000 people in $300 offering. These weren't tithers. These women didn't have husbands. Their husbands had died. They had no extended family to help them. The church was their only source. There was no social security. There was no governmental system in place. When people got in trouble during this time, and they were widowers over 65, faithful faithful in the church, they were supported by the church. These were women... That didn't speak the, the same language. And, and, and how were they neglected, I've already shared. The Bible says, for the church, this is what will distinguish us as a church during these post-pandemic days. In First John chapter three, verse 17 through 18, it says, "Anyone who has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can you say you love God and that person? Dear children, let us not just love with words and speech, but let us love in truth. Let us love in truth. Let us love. So what distinguishes a church is not that we just come to church. These women were coming to church. But it was not just enough for them to hear the word. The word needed to become flesh. And the way that the word becomes flesh is that we meet legitimate needs. If someone is hungry, we feed them. That's why I'm excited about this Thanksgiving outreach. We're going to be feeding over 60 families. Somebody donated $500 to one of Brother Steve's friends, and he wants a receipt for it. But praise the Lord. Anyhow. Everybody who can be here to be a part of the distribution should be here because we're saying by our presence, we, you can give a gift. Yeah, you can give money, but that doesn't get that doesn't say flesh and blood ministry is happening. People need to see us. They need to see us. So when these baskets are given out, we're waving. We're, we're expressing the love of Christ. Now, why does it matter that we address the needs of the least in the church, the least in the church, the youngest in the church, the children who need teachers, and that we're not just throwing together a lesson at the last minute? We God doesn't give us second-handed blessings. He doesn't give us the least. He gives us his best, every good and Perfect gifts come from the Father of life, in whom there is no variation. He changes not; he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has God been good? Has He blessed you? Has He ever shortchanged you? God said, "Nothing good." While well, I was home from them who walk uprightly, He has blessed. Him. He said, "I have come." Jesus said, "To give you what life, and to give you life, how much more abundantly?" That's how God blesses. We should do no less. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 through 30, verses uh, 37 through 40, he said, when you have blessed the least of them, you have done it for me. We ought to be looking out for people in the church who are saying nothing, who are quiet, who, 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 who are trying, if they could, to be invisible. It doesn't mean that they're hurting. Often they just don't know how to relax around people because they don't know how to trust anybody. If there's anything that the world needs now are real life living examples of the love of Jesus. We live in an evil world. People need to see the love of Christ and that is appealing. That will draw them to this family. Some people say, Well, I would come to church, but there's so many hypocrites in the church. That's kind of like saying, I'm having chest pains, it's a heart attack, and so you call 911 and they actually answer. <laughs> Dispatcher, I'm having a heart attack and, and, and I don't know how much longer I can hold on. Uh, what should I do? They say, Well, we're calling an ambulance. Okay, call the ambulance. What is the ambulance going? going to take you to the hospital? I'm not going to the hospital. Too many sick people there. Does that make any sense? You're not going to go to the hospital because there are too many sick people there? That's like saying, I ain't going to the church, even though while I'm at church, I'm going to hear the word of God. And the Holy Spirit is going to shine on those areas of my life that need to be changed, that need to be conformed. But because they're hypocrites, no, no, no. The church is the hospital for sick folk to get better in Jesus. Church is the pearl of great price. Somebody say amen. Amen. Problem must be handled biblically. Folks start telling you, well, my mother said, and this is how we do it. Listen what the scripture says, that, that that the apostles, the 12 of them, called the membership of the church. And so the problem was first solved on the pastoral level. The apostles called the members together. Then it's congregational. And then the congregation was instructed, choose from among you seven servants, seven deacons. And so they chose seven. So this was organized. When you talk about where you're going to join the church or going to let your family be uh, uh, d- develop, you need to know: Can they deal with the issues that are going on with my family right now? Do they have structure? Do they have godly leadership? Does the leadership match what the scripture said? They started with the pastoral level, then they did the the, the, the congregational and individual. And they chose seven, and then the seven were brought before the apostles, and the apostles approved. And once the apostles approved that the seven, then they, then they went through a process of, of, I believe they got trained. And after they were trained, the Bible says that the apostles laid hands on them. They ordained them. So then there was structure in the church to deal with their issues. There was structure in the church to deal with their issues. Somebody say amen. amen. We, need, we need to be a part of, ministries that are not just thrown together. Everybody, I'm a pastor now. I've been, I'm a bishop. I'm a cardinal. What is a cardinal? You know, I'm a cardinal. I'm an apostle. I'm working towards becoming a pope. I didn't even know popes existed in a Protestant church, but we're moving in that direction. People going online and ordering degrees. I'm doctor this or doctor that. You better watch who you are following, who you're listening to, you, who you expose your family to. You need a church like the one that's a New Testament church. They had structure, godly leadership, a congregation that was cons- that was consulted, a congregation that was submitted to the leadership that allowed, the, the ultimately the decision was not the congregation's, it was the pastoral leadership. It was the elders, it was the pastor. They made the final decision about who served as a deacon. And have, being a deacon is not just a title. It's not just wearing a nice suit. It's not just sitting up front and nodding and, 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 on First Sunday and fighting over communion. And it's, it, it's, it's, the word actually means working with your hands in the dirt, meeting legitimate needs. The church is hurting. And what the deacons do, this group of people were not just, when the, the deacons at this church weren't just chosen because they liked the way they looked, they liked the way they dressed. They get more money than anybody else. Maybe they do. I don't even know. But the point is, they are chosen based on the qualifications that are listed in Acts chapter 6. And in case you didn't know it, all of you who are part of this ministry, you have a deacon, you have a deaconess, a servant who works with his hand in the dirt. You have a deaconess that is available to help you as you're working through your family issues and to assist the pastor in particular. which said that we, the pastor said we are going to give our my, He said we're going to give our attention to preaching and praying. and The deacons handle the physical needs of the church. But that doesn't ignore, as we look in the first, uh, first Timothy chapter three, that the deacons actually were gifted in teaching, gifted in counseling. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, what, look what happens. Problems aren't new. Problems should be addressed by spiritual people. God wants us to, 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 to recognize that the church is here for that issue. But watch what happens. Power is released when problems are handled biblically. Listen to what the scripture says in verse 6. It says, so the word spread, verse 7. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of the priests became obedient to the faith. And then it goes on to say that Stephen, one of the deacons, performed signs and wonders when people's lives are being, being, being ministered to through the word of God and issues are being solved biblically, God releases supernatural power. Souls get saved. The word is spread. And even people that are from different faiths decide, I'm turning away from Judaism. I'm turning away from Islam. I'm turning away from Buddha. Because what I see happening at the church, people deal with real issues from the word and their lives are changed. And then God begins to do signs. Signs and wonders. I'm almost finished. Let me just share some practical things that you can do to assist you we're dealing with, with issues within the church. The first thing is this. Write this down. Continue to come to church where the word is being preached and God's people gathering. The widows, even though they were being neglected, they never stopped coming to church. Don't stop coming to church till somebody didn't acknowledge you because you have a conflict with Somebody. Continue, well, you had a bad night. You know what you did Saturday night, so you no, no, get yourself out of that room, out of that bed, out, come from the casino, you know, you lost all your money, you had nothing to tie, but still come to church. And give me some of that $1. Billion, $1.8 billion in Jesus' name. <laughs> the wealth of the wicked <laughs> belongs to the saints of God. I ain't gambling, but I'll take some of yours. (laughs) Communicate with the right people to get the help you need. Say, inform the leadership. You don't have to talk to the pastor. Talk to the elders. Talk to the deacons. Talk to the deaconesses. Talk to spiritual women and men in the church about what you, what, what's going through. So communicate with the right people. Concentrate on growing spiritually by removing distractions. We spend so much time in front of the TV, scrolling. I was on my little phone. I was You know how you read the news flashes? I realized that the news flashes never stop. You can spend all of your time on your cell phone, chasing down stuff that is not factual, just happening in the moment, My point is remove distractions that prevent you from reaching your full potential in Christ. The apostles devoted themselves to praying and preaching. Come clean with your stuff. They said, we're being neglected. That's not too hard. But the Bible says confess your sins one to another. I ain't telling nobody about my stuff. Well, if you're going to grow, the Bible says, and then the prayer of faith will heal you. Sometimes we're not healed because we haven't confessed. We haven't come clean. What are you struggling with that you have not been able to overcome in your personal life that the Lord wants to give you victory over, but it won't happen until you come clean? Find somebody in the church that's not gonna tell your business and, and they're not gonna condemn you, they're gonna walk with you through it. They're not gonna sign off on your sin, but they will assist you as you are growing in Christ. Come clean. When you reveal what is being done in the dark, the the the, the chain of Satan's stronghold is broken. Commit yourself to accepting correction and accountability. This is what messes us up. We don't want nobody to correct us. We are arrogant, stiff-necked. Nobody can correct us. You can correct others, but they can't correct you. When's the last time you apologized for anything that you did? I mean, legitimately. Because you did something. You're not going to grow unless you are correctable. The Bible says rebuke and admonish. It's not easy to stand behind this pulpit because somebody's going to be offended. But let God be true, and every man a liar. Are you correctable and accountable? Who can call you to account? Commit yourself to being acceptable and accountable. That's why you need to join a church. Don't date the church. Come under spiritual authority. Here's the final thing. Commit to become a part of a life group. Mm, that's what they did. They, just, they met from house to house and they grew and they became more like Jesus. So when you join the church, if you all you're can, counting on is what happens on Sunday morning, you're not going to grow the way you will if you're part of a local group that is meeting on a regular basis away from the church. That's how you grow. Stand with me. Stand with me. It was that time of the year, again, it was checkup time. I hope you brothers understand the importance of going in annually and getting checked up. This guy was in perfect physical condition as far as you could tell. He worked out every day. He went to bed early. He wasn't a smoker. He wasn't a drinker. He wasn't engaged in any kind of clandestine behaviors. And so this was just a standard annual exam until the doctor told him to get on the treadmill. And about three minutes into being on the treadmill, he began to experience chest pains, stinging in his left arm, perspiring profusely, and the doctor stopped the treadmill. He said, well, well, something's not right here. So he took him from the, op- to from the observation room to an EKG and found out that this man had four blocked arteries and he was a ticking Tom bomb. He was going to have a massive heart attack and die. If he hadn't gotten that checkup, he would have died. Whenever you come to church, it's checkup time. We're getting ready to do that. So let a man examine himself. When you hear the word of God, God's word is that stethoscope. God's word is that treadmill. God's word is that limb that exposes those areas in your life that if you didn't see him having heard the word, you would be subject to spiritual disaster. And so bring your issues to the church. Bring your issues to the church and allow God to begin to change you in such a way that men will ask, I remember the way you used to be. I remember how you act when you got angry. I remember how you used to talk. I remember how you and your wife, you would have her head hanging out the window and then she'd have your, I remember then. But now, God has taught us from his word through the body of Christ, how to deal with our issues. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Let us pray. Father.